Thanks for joining me on another episode of As the Garden Grows, a research-based horticultural podcast. My name is Ariel, and today we're going to talk about composting, but not just traditional bin composting, which we'll absolutely cover. We're also going to talk a little bit about vermicomposting, which is composting for worms. We're going to talk about directly applying organic materials to your garden, so just skipping the whole composting step and putting those things right in your garden. And then also these new products that we have been seeing, which are these electric run countertop composting, and you can't see it, but I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing air quotes right now, <laughs> composting machines. So just a little bit on the pros and cons of each, my opinions, what the research has shown so far. And hopefully at the end of this episode, if you're interested in composting or you want to start composting or do it a little bit differently, you might have a better idea of something that could work really well for you. So to start, let's talk about traditional composting. So in traditional composting, you are taking uh, brown materials, which could be dried leaves, shredded cardboard, shredded paper. You're putting those in about a two to one ratio to green materials. And your green materials are going to be primarily your kitchen scraps, banana peels, coffee grounds, apple cores, things like that. You're adding a couple shovelfuls of soil, which introduce soil microbes into the mix, a good amount of water to keep the pile you know, about as damp as a wet sponge, but not definitely not sopping wet, definitely not dry, and sometimes a little bit of garden fertilizer. So those are going to be your inputs, and I will link some resources in the show notes just so you can dive into that a little bit deeper. We're just kind of doing an overview of these processes today. But in a traditional bin compost, you'll have one or several bins that you're layering these materials in, keeping them damp, turning them periodically, and what you're trying to do is get them hot. So you're trying to get these materials to start decomposing, to use those soil microbes, get them hot, and to keep them hot for several days in a row, that will start to break down all of these kitchen scraps and the leaves from your yard. And at the end, you'll have this fluffy, rich, dark brown material that you can directly apply to your garden. And so that's kind of traditional compost. The pros of traditional compost, you're working with the environment, you're working with natural soil microbes to do this sort of breaking down process. You can reduce what's going into the landfill, so you're not filling up your plastic trash bags that we know take thousands of years to break down in the landfill. You're taking waste that you generate in your home and in your yard, and you are breaking it down, you're turning it into something really, really valuable. I mean, anybody that has bought a bag of compost knows how expensive it can be. And sometimes what we buy at the store isn't very high quality. You know this is going to be high quality because you made it. And you're putting it right back into your garden. You're adding nutrients into your garden, improving your soil. If you have a really heavy clay soil or you have a sandy soil, Compost is the best way to make that more of a loam, which is what we prefer, that kind of lighter, fluffier soil texture. That's definitely the pros of traditional composting. But there are cons to traditional composting, of course. And I will be the first person, I have a traditional compost bin, I will be the first person to tell you, gathering up the kitchen scraps is hard. I mean, you do it, but then they get moldy and they're gross, and then you kind of have to take this container or however you collect them of soggy, moldy things and, you know, take them to wherever your bin is. You can incur some pest problems with a traditional compost bin. 
you definitely should not compost meats or anything that's too oily, like a pasta or sauce or anything like that. Those things do tend to attract like raccoons in particular, um, possibly bears. If you have bears in your area, that's not, not something I deal with. So, so those are the cons. You, it's, it's labor intensive to collect your food scraps, to haul them out. Usually compost bins are not right outside your back door. Mine isn't. Mine's in the farthest corner of my property back behind my garage. And so, you know, on a nice 60 degree day, it's not a big deal to take the scraps out after dinner. Um, but when it's freezing cold outside, that sucks. It's not fun. Um, so that's a big downside. And then probably another large downside to traditional composting is having to turn it. Um, you'll absolutely want a pitchfork. Do not go out there with a shovel. It is going to be so heavy, so dense, but you need to turn it regularly in order to actually glean compost from your compost pile. And so what I find is people tend to get really excited about composting. They buy the bin, they do all the work. And after about a year, it's just a pile of crap and they haven't really turned it and they haven't really done anything with it. Those are the upsides and the downsides to traditional composting. Like I said, in the show notes, I will make sure to link some resources. So if you want to learn more about this, I'm not discouraging you from composting, but I think it's important that we're honest with ourselves about what we have the time, the space, the energy, and the resources to do. And traditional composting is a commitment. So I just want you all to be mindful of that as we're talking today. But there are some other sort of options out there. Um, another option that is sort of a good middle ground is just directly applying organic materials to your garden. So when I say organic material, I'm talking about something that was living that is now no longer living that contains nutrients that can be recycled into the garden. So banana peel is a great example. Banana peel is part of a living plant. When it's on the tree, you eat the banana inside, you have the peel left over. That peel is full of all kinds of good nutrients and you can compost it to harvest those nutrients. Or you could lay the banana peel out in your garden. Over time, it's going to decompose and those nutrients will go back into your garden. Now, the downside to this is I don't know many gardeners who enjoy the sight of rotting banana peels in their garden. <laughs> So if you're doing the direct application of organic matter, you might opt out of the kitchen scraps, which again, are also probably going to be eaten by critters. If you're not turning them as you would a compost pile, they're just going to be laying on top of your garden. Um, but this could be a great option. If you want to chop up your leaves in the fall, apply those to a flower bed, maybe even put a little bit of mulch on top of them, leave them through the winter. Come spring, add a nice new layer of fresh mulch around your flowers. Over time, those leaves are going to break down and they're going to provide the same benefits as applying compost. It may not be as nutrient rich if you're only including leaves, but it's the same process. It's the same idea. It's the, it's the process we're trying to mimic that the earth does already. You know, a large established tree drops leaves in the fall, those leaves decompose. That's why when you walk through woodlands or you walk through forests, it's always this kind of damp, mushy area under trees because those are here, those are leaves from many years past that are breaking down. And so when we talk about directly applying organic matter to the garden, we're mimicking that same process. Now be careful if you want to bring in like a um, hay or cut grass or anything like that, you could be reintroducing weeds 
into your garden bed. And that is where traditional composting, again, has another pro tick in their column. If you can get traditional compost bins up to that heated stage, what we call the thermophilic stage, that's going to kill out a lot of diseases and a lot of weed seeds. And so while directly applying them to the garden may be easier, less labor intensive, you're not going to have those same benefits as getting it hot in the compost bin, killing out diseases, killing out weed seeds. So you just need to be a little bit more careful when you're directly applying organic matter. Both of those methods sort of rely on the fact that you have space, um, that you have a yard, that you have space to kind of do some of these things. And the reality is that a lot of people today are not living on properties that they have a lot of room. A lot of us rent or have apartments or live in cities where some of these things just may not be possible. And so there are a couple of other composting methods. One is worm composting, also known as vermicomposting, and the other are these countertop electric composters. Both of these could be really good options for somebody that doesn't have the space to traditionally compost, but they have their own concerns and merits. So let's talk about worm composting because it's so fun. Um, and I will, again, link something in the show notes that goes more into worm composting because this is really just a little bit of a taste, just a little bit of a sampling um, of what you can kind of expect with these different methods. But when you're looking at vermicomposting using worms, you are taking a lot of people use um, storage bins or tubs. You are keeping worms usually in your home, a lot of times in a basement in maybe under your kitchen sink somewhere cool that's not going to freeze but isn't going to get too hot. You are providing bedding for them and then you are providing food scraps for them, your kitchen scraps, and they are eating those things and then turning them into worm castings, which are a type considered to be a type of compost. And so this is a really, really cool process, but there are a couple things, again, definitely check out the resources I'm going to link if you're interested in doing this, but there are some things that I want to make sure to mention before you jump into this so that we don't have like a horrible mass murder of our sweet little worms. The first is that they need drainage and they need air. They are living little critters. So as you're creating your worm bin, like I said, you can just roll up to a big box store and get a nice storage tote, definitely try to aim for something longer rather than deeper. Um, that will just give you a little bit more room. I'll talk about harvesting the castings and, and that'll make a little bit more sense, but think length. And you're going to want to drill holes in the bottom so that any excess liquid can drain out. You're gonna wanna build and then drill some a little bit in the sides, not too many, and then definitely in the lid so that there can be some air exchange. You want to be careful with the size of these um, because your worms can't escape. So just think pretty small holes and, and do more rather than a couple larger holes. The lid can certainly have larger holes um, because they, they won't be up in that area, but definitely in the bottom, think smaller. So you drill your holes and then you're going to want to provide your worms with some kind of bedding. Um, usually shredded paper is the preferred media. Um, shredded newspaper works great. Don't shred the kind of slick paper that you get coupons on in the mail, the worms don't like that. So just think like dry print newspaper or office paper works great. Shred that up, provide that as the bedding for the worms. You do want to make it damp. 
And so make sure that you're using a spray bottle. You don't want it there to be any sitting water, but just make sure that it's nice and damp. And then start adding your worms and your organic materials. So worms, you can definitely purchase them online. Um, make sure to do your research and that you have someone who's ethically uh, growing or cultivating these worms. And do research on what types of worms are going to create the most compost, are going to be the best feeders. And make sure if this is a process that you are not interested in continuing or just think about the end of it, um, that you are not releasing worms that don't belong in our ecosystem out into our ecosystem. I see people do that a lot, that they do worm composting for a little bit, they get tired of it, and then they just dump it outside. A lot of times those worms are going to die, especially in Kansas over the winter, um, but it's just not a great idea. If you're done with your worms and you don't want to do it anymore, my personal favorite is to find somebody with chickens and let them have at it. That's a great way to feed the chickens and make sure we're not releasing anything that doesn't belong in our environment. But you order your worms online or the other great example is you would be really surprised how many people keep worm bins. Like, I know this seems like kind of a creepy or kind of a weird thing, but a lot of people do this. And so reach out on social media, reach out to your gardening friends and see who knows somebody that has worms, because if they have worms and they're using them for composting and they're doing it properly, they probably have more worms than they want. Worms will repopulate pretty quickly. And so you might be able to get sort of a worm start, you know, like those sourdough starters that you try to pawn off on your friends so that they can not make bread, but keep it in their fridge for like six months. Uh, same concept with worms. You can probably find somebody that has more worms than they need and get a good start on a bin that way. So you have your bins, you have your holes, shredded newspaper, it's damp, you add your worms. And then the reason I was saying before that it should be a really long bin is you want to put food scraps, think apple core, banana peel, coffee ground, um, you know, the bottoms off of your onion or your garlic, if you're cooking celery stalks, anything like that, put them on one end of your bin and the worms will naturally move in that direction and then layer in that area for a while and then start to progressively add scraps going further and further and further away from where you initially began. And what you'll see is as they're feeding, their excrement will be in the area they're feeding and you can start to move the worms to the other side of the bin so that that first area that you started adding, you can harvest from. And there may still be a couple worms in it, but you just won't have to work quite as hard to pull all the worms out and put them back in the bin because most of them are going to be where the newest food is. So that's just kind of a little bit of a trick to try to move your worms around. So the pros and cons of the worm bin, of vermicomposting, the pro is this product that the worms are putting out is awesome. It is, I mean, I know people go nuts for like cow manure and stuff, but they don't have nothing on worms. It is so nutrient rich. It's so light and fluffy. It is really, really expensive if you go to buy it in the stores. And a lot of people this is like a good way to make money. They have enough worms that they create vermicompost and they sell it. So super, super nutrient rich, great addition to your garden. If you have a tight space, you can put a bin under your kitchen sink in your basement. You could do it in your garage. You just want to make sure that they are not getting too hot. Worms are going to die if they get hot or dry at all. And you want to make sure it's somewhere that you're checking. You're going to need to spritz them with water periodically 
and keep adding food scraps and make sure that the you know bedding in there is ample and all that kind of stuff. So you do, there's some maintenance required here. It's just like having any other living creature in your care. Um, so it does take a little bit of maintenance. Now you want to make sure that you have some kind of bin under your worm bin that doesn't have holes in it to catch that liquid. That liquid can also be applied to your plants. And I would just recommend that you do that outdoors because it can be um, a little bit too nutrient rich. If you put it on like a house plant or something, it might burn the roots, um, but that can be a pro. The con side to that is if your holes are too big or if you get your pH off or something that's making the worms unhappy, they will try to escape. They want to live, they want the conditions that they want. And so I have heard from many people who started a worm bin and then had them basically crawling all over their basement trying to escape. So if you aren't comfortable with like picking worms up off your floor and, and trying again, uh, this may not be the method for you. But if you like it, it's something great to include kids in. I think they think it's really awesome. It's a great way to use your kitchen scraps. And if you don't have a big yard or you're just not like me, you hate going outside when it's cold, so you don't want to take your kitchen scraps out there, uh, worm bins can be a really, really cool way to still keep that waste out of the landfill and also just kind of watch a really cool biological process unfold right in your basement or, or in your kitchen. So that's worm composting. The last one that I want to talk about are these new kitchen countertop electric composters. So I'm not mentioning brand names, but what I will say is I was really disappointed when I first saw this product. Um, they're these really large kitchen appliances, which I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but I have a small kitchen. And if I add one more appliance to my kitchen, it's going to be an air fryer because I keep watching people turn really gross foods into stuff that looks delicious using an air fryer. So if I'm adding anything, that's going to be it. Side tangent. But it take, if, this, if I got one of these, it would take up half my kitchen is my point. And it's using electricity to compost and it's not true composting. From what I can tell, because I have watched their videos like 20 times trying to figure out this process, it's a machine, you plug it in, you add your scraps, and they do say that you can add meat and things that you wouldn't use in traditional composting, which you shouldn't use meat in worm composting either. I should have said that earlier. You add these scraps, you plug it in, you hit the button, it dehydrates your food and it chops your food up. And then it's like, and this is so great. Add it to your garden. And I'm looking at this and it just looks like sawdust. I mean, it just, it is such a far cry from what composting is. It was not my favorite, but I wanted to do some research. There's really not research, true research on these machines because it's a product. Um, and, and it just hasn't, it hasn't been tested. So I was looking at sort of the company's claims and I want to give them a little bit of credit because their goal is to keep food out of landfills. And I think that's really admirable. I think that we waste a lot. I think we all need to be more cognizant of our impacts on the environment and our footprint. And so what I will say is that using electricity and dehydrating and chopping up food are not my cup of tea to compost when you have things like worm composting, traditional bin composting, directly applying things. And I'm really fortunate that I live in a city 
where I have purchased a bin that I can put my scraps into and the city will come pick it up and compost it for me. I know not everybody has that, but I, I'm really glad that I have access to that. And I realize that in bigger cities or maybe even rural areas, there aren't things like that. So if an electric composter is the difference between you throwing organic material in the trash or composting it and putting it out in your garden, then maybe that's the right choice for you. I just wanna make sure that we're all thinking about the full picture, the full circle, you know, not, not purchasing worms off the internet and dumping them into our garden, not putting meat into our compost pile that's going to attract rodents and have our neighbors complaining. I mean, all of these methods have their pros and have their cons. And so that's the only thing I wanted to share with you all today is, is just to run through some of those things and to think about it. And I was kind of hating on the electric countertop composters when I first started reading about them but I think that they have their heart in the right place. And that if it is the difference between putting something in the landfill and not, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate where they're coming from. That's everything I wanted to share with you all today. Please let me know if you have any questions, if you have anything you'd like me to talk about in the future. Thank you so much for listening to As the Garden Grows, a research-based horticultural podcast and happy gardening. Thank you.